Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan. This is The Detail. History was made at Parliament today when the Prime Minister announced that New Zealand history would be made a compulsory subject in all primary and secondary schools by 2022. This will actually allow coherence right through from year one through to year ten. But, of course, Aotearoa's history is complicated. It's messy, and building a curriculum telling our stories is going to be fraught. Experts say that while they welcome the focus on New Zealand history, they're concerned divisive classroom debates could erupt over some of the most traumatic episodes. You are dealing with the exercise of power, people that come out in different sides of those events, and that therefore in some areas, and some topics, in some communities, there will need to be some care about the consequences of those histories. Today on the podcast, historian Dr Vincent O'Malley on why many elements of our history have been ignored, what stories will be told, and why the subject is important in the first place. How can we know where we're going if we don't know where we've come from? So history gives us a grounding, it gives us a sense of identity, it gives us a sense of belonging and of place. And without that, you know, we have this kind of historical amnesia as, as a society, as a nation. And for New Zealand, we've had that for a long time, or Pākehā New Zealand anyway, uh, without really engaging with our past, without having a sense of what came before. Um, and that's kind of been um, shut away as these the sort of dirty, guilty secrets that we don't want to think about and remember. So... Engaging with that history, having a sense of where we come from, um, helps to build a, a more confident um, future. And it's also, I think, in many ways, the basis for a genuine reconciliation between Māori and non-Māori, which is grounded in dialogue and understanding, and, and that understanding about our shared past, our history, um, warts and all, the good, the bad and the ugly, as Rahui Papa said, there are also, in terms of the skills that you learn, history helps to develop critical thinking and the skills that you learn can be applied to a wide range of tasks really. I mean the important thing is that you learn to critically analyse sources and information and assess that and that's obviously valuable in, in a wide range of, of jobs. So there are lots of ways that history I think is not only helpful but really essential for, for um, young people to have a, an, an awareness of. In 2019, the government announced learning about the history of Aotearoa would become a compulsory part of the high school curriculum for all students from year one to year ten. After that, history becomes an optional NCEA subject. You can continue taking it if you so choose. When the announcement was made, the chair of the History Teachers Association, Graham Ball, said this was beyond most teachers' wildest dreams, particularly when you consider that up until then... There is no requirement to teach New Zealand's history um, in our classrooms. There's certainly encouragement, um, but even in the um, New Zealand curriculum and the achievement objectives for um, social studies, there is one there that asks schools to look at the Treaty of Waitangi. But in the, in the fine print, as I, as I call it, elsewhere in the document, it says that schools will choose which achievement objectives they teach. So in the end, I mean, it is quite conceivable that um, someone could go through their schooling without much in the way of a, an exposure to New Zealand history. The ministry's policy, actually, if it was really quite honest, is luck. In February of this year, the Education Ministry reported back with a draft curriculum which was based around three ideas. That Māori history is the foundational and continuous history of Aotearoa New Zealand, 
that colonisation and its consequences have been central to our history and continue to influence all aspects of New Zealand society and that the course of Aotearoa New Zealand's history has been shaped by the exercise and effects of power. Sounds a wee bit opaque, sure, but very different to the New Zealand history I learned in my youth, which was basically limited to the first four ships in Christchurch and the HMS Endeavour. I think in the past, many Pākehā thought of things like the New Zealand Wars, for example, as um, an uncomfortable aspect of our past, and uh, they didn't want to engage with that history because it was seen as something that was divisive, and many Pākehā felt that the finger was being pointed at them. And so there was that sense of not want, you know, don't mention the New Zealand Wars was really kind of the, the way that we approached that. And that was not a healthy way to approach that, obviously. It led to the fact that Māori um, had this understanding of a terrible series of events that had happened to them that resonated over many generations and that really still affects the nation today that Pākehā simply refused to acknowledge the existence of. And so that's not a healthy basis for a relationship. And so engaging with that history, I think, is is going to be a really healthy and it's going to be a valuable thing as part of this process of reconciliation, which is wider than, you know, we've got the treaty claim settlement process, that's Māori and the Crown engaging with one another, but other New Zealanders, ordinary New Zealanders, also need to also need to have a sense of that history as well and um, where we've come from. Do you think the attitudes around that have changed and therefore the curriculum is changing to match that, or do you think that this curriculum shift maybe is an attempt to make that change? I think the curriculum really reflects changes that have been underway for the last 10 or 20 years, maybe. I mean, if you think about it, the um, you know, since the announcement of the draft history curriculum, there have sort of been attempts by some politicians to almost start a culture war over, over the contents of that. But the public hasn't really taken a bait on that. And, you, you know, I was just thinking before, compare that with you know, Don Brash's Arewa speech in 2004 and the huge response that there was to that. We haven't seen anything like that with the history curriculum. I think New Zealanders are ready to acknowledge this history and to engage with it and to learn it. They want their young people to learn it. And, you know, I think what's going to come out of that is probably those students will be going home and educating their parents and their grandparents who didn't learn this history at school because so many of us did had no engagement with New Zealand history. We just we simply didn't learn it at school. First today, an expert panel has warned that compulsory New Zealand history lessons next year could upset some children and lead to difficult classroom discussions. The panel convened by the Royal Society of New Zealand says teachers are nervous about how to teach the subject without creating pain and conflict. That is a real a real challenge. Uh, we talk about difficult histories and those, those histories can involve a whole variety of different things from the New Zealand wars, the, the loss of Māori mana, but also treatment of Chinese uh, and our long history, dawn raids for Pacific people, treatment of homosexuality... Even the language used to describe people with disabilities looks pretty off from our current perspectives. Do you think that there are particular difficulties to building a history curriculum which is looking at your own nation's history? I think, you know, when there's an unwillingness to engage with that history and when it is seen as um, something that makes people uncomfortable, then, then that does create difficulties. But I think we're kind of moving beyond that stage now and I think there is an awareness that this history is important and that the point of 
engaging with that history and learning it isn't to make people feel guilty or ashamed about the actions of their ancestors. It's just to be mature enough as a nation to say, this is part of our story, this is who we are, the good, the bad and the ugly, these are our, our stories and we need to own them as a people, as a nation. I guess there is that question though, isn't there, of whether and to what extent history involves like value judgments. You wrote in an opinion piece in 2019 that on balance colonisation was a good thing. The good outweighed the bad. I'm just wondering, is that true for Māori? Everybody will have their own opinion. This is National MP Paul Goldsmith speaking about a month ago. What's your opinion? The reality is that New Zealand was isolated from the rest of the world uh, for centuries uh, and at some point it had to reconnect with the rest of the world uh, and that happened in the 19th century. It was always going to be a very traumatic experience. With it came all sorts of wonderful things uh, such as you know, literacy, uh, such as uh, the, the freedoms and democracy that have come through. So, yep, it's good and bad. On balance, colonisation was a good thing for Māori. Oh, I think on balance it has been, yes. I spent a couple of months at high school in Germany And I remember in history class in Germany, you know, they really didn't shy away from the idea that the Nazi Party's mission and the German nation's actions during World War II were explicitly evil and indefensible. And there was no moral ambiguity there. I'm not saying that the two are alike, even slightly, but I guess there is the question of whether such value judgments should be placed on something like colonisation, whether we should be coming out and saying this was an explicitly bad and evil thing. Yeah, and it's, it's really around that question of um, should we be making moral judgments around this past? Should we be inviting students to make those moral judgments? I think what we need to do is to ensure that students understand what happened first, first and foremost and simply having that awareness of that history and what took place, I think in itself is powerful. Historians don't tend to adopt an approach of making moral judgments about the past. We tend to want to describe what took place and, you know, leave it for others to determine how they they feel about that. I mean, I'm not sure, for example, whether we should be inviting students to decide for themselves whether the the invasion of Waikato in 1863 was a good or bad thing. I think we should be teaching them about what took place during that conflict, but there are certain things that happened in the past and we need to acknowledge the reality of those events. History is not about a um, the sort of um, what some scholars call the, the, the balance sheet approach to history or, or empire where on on the one hand, you say, yeah, there was slavery, but on the other hand, you know, what about the railways kind of thing? Mm. Um, that, that's a crude approach to history. That's not, a, that's not a sound way of engaging with it, I think. And, you know, we saw that recently here as well with the, the comments about, you know, colonisation being on balance good for Māori, which is, again, not really a, a useful approach to take to engaging with our history. Speaking of engaging with our history... In my research for this interview, I had to think a bit about my own knowledge, or lack thereof, of many elements of Aotearoa's history. And I was curious whether the same was true for others. So, I came up with a wee pop quiz and wandered around the newsroom looking for anyone who was game to take it. It's sort of tough, but not really. You can take it too, if you like. For the record, I would have got two out of five, maybe three, uh, but one would have been a guess. Question one. What century is it generally agreed that Māori first arrived in Aotearoa? 17th. 14th. Uh, I'd say the 13th century. 
Question two. What city is also known as Otepoti? Christchurch. <clears throat> Pass. Don't want to give it a shot? I should know it, but I don't, and I'm really embarrassed about it. <clears throat> Dunedin. Dunedin. Question three. Whereabouts in the country is Ngati Poro based? Bay of Plenty. East Coast, Titairafati. Now that is embarrassing because I've been meaning to find out and I don't know. Well, I, I would say Ngati Poro on the East Coast. East Coast, Bay of Plenty. Okay, I did know that. I was just wasn't brave enough to say so. Question four. Who was Hongi Hika? Ah, no, no, he wasn't the guy who cut down the flagpole. Well, I know the name. Never met him personally. Yeah. Um, don't remember what it said in history books, and that's really bad. We're not talking about Honeheke. Honeheke. I have no idea. Ngāpuhi rangatira. Ngāti... Ngāpuhi ki whangaroa. It was involved in early negotiations of the Confederate tribes, and was a great traveller, went to England to see the king. Was gifted many great things that are in the Waitangi Museum. What ship did James Cook command when he first reached Aotearoa? Well, I would say Endeavour, but that's probably an eh. No, okay, okay, good. The Endeavour. The Endeavour? The Endeavour. So, bit of a mixed bag there. But this isn't all that surprising to Vincent O'Malley. I know how few New Zealanders learnt any New Zealand history at school. I, I did a sort of informal poll on Twitter years ago and I got about 1,500 responses and two-thirds of people said that they learnt no New Zealand history at all at mm. school. Um, as a nation, we, um, we're we a land of Tudor and Stuart history experts. We know more about that history than we do about our own. There, there are probably more New Zealanders who could name Henry VIII's six wives than, than could describe the three articles of the Treaty of Waitangi, I think. So... Mm. Um, you know, it's that's why you know the um, the announcement that New Zealand history will be taught in all schools for next year is incredibly exciting because it's an opportunity to develop a historically aware generation of people, and that you know, in the longer term, that that is potentially quite transformative. You are speaking to be from Wellington, Te Whanganui Atara. Um I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you were to be able to introduce one lesser-known uh, historic story or event or, or figure which is important to Wellington's history into the curriculum. What would that be? What, what, what comes to mind? Well, I think the important thing for, for students in Wellington to understand would be the history of land loss. So I'm, I'm in the RNZ Wellington Studios uh, on the terrace, which is part of the Port Nicholson block that was acquired by... New Zealand Company in 1839 in the most um, dubious means. And that transaction was later essentially ratified by the Crown. Later on, settlers um, start to move into the Hutt Valley, which is also claimed to be part of that purchase. Um, Māori dispute that as they dispute the bona fides of the purchase, which was essentially written in unintelligible Māori and um, with a fraction of the, the, the owners of those lands. Um, and that leads to war in the Hutt Valley in 1846 um, at Bullcott's Farm um, and later at Battle Hill. And I think those are, those events are important ones 
for students to uh, engage with, and there are a number of figures that might emerge out of that. Uh, Te Rangi Hayata from, from Ngāti Toa, Te Raupaha, also Ngāti Toa, of course. Um, Wira Mukingi uh, from Te Atiawa, who lived for a period of time in the Wellington region before returning to Taranaki. So there's those strong Taranaki connections with Wellington history as well, and those are important to, for students to be aware of. So there are, I think there are lots of aspects of that history that, um, that students um, could engage with. I love the fact that you can just do that off the top of your head. And I guess that does sort of, I'm quite excited by it actually, and I guess it does kind of demonstrate that history really is all all around us, isn't it? It is, and often I think New Zealanders um, drive by sites of immense historical significance every day without even being aware that they're there. In fact, often we just drive through the middle of them. Um, if you think of past sites, um, the way that we marked those historically was we demolished them, ran a road through the middle of them and named the road after the military commander who was responsible for the invasion of the district. In, in Tauranga Gate Par is a prime example of that. Um, Cameron Road, named after um, General Duncan Cameron, runs right through Gate Par. That was the site of a major conflict in 1864. Some of the feedback on this draft curriculum has suggested that teachers are anxious about managing classroom discussions about cross-cultural conflict and violence and racism. Parihaka, very well-known event, well, increasingly well-known event in New Zealand. This is the noted historian Charlotte MacDonald from Victoria University. In which the people living in Taranaki are descended from both sides of of that um, uh, terrible event. Uh, So how will uh, a classroom talk to descendants of those who were apprehended by the Crown and those who were on the apprehending side. Um, you might take um, the example of um, the, the um, terrible murder of Joe Kum Jung in Wellington Street, not far from where I'm standing, in September 1905, where Lionel Terry murdered a Chinese man because he was a Chinese man. So if you were a member of um, Chinese New Zealand community, how are you going to feel about that event? Um, I, I think you might feel some kind of um, unease about that. Yeah, I mean, what we need to acknowledge is that some of this history is deeply traumatic and hurtful. And, you know, there are some events that are particularly awful. And, you know, you need to sort of consider carefully about how that is taught. And that's not a question of saying that um, we shouldn't teach history if it's potentially going to upset students, because some of it will. But what we need to do is ensure that it's done in a way that ensures the well-being of all involved. One example of that might be that if you're going to, for example, battle sites in the New Zealand wars, we need to acknowledge that these are wahitapu, they're urupa, in most cases there are people who are buried there, there are people who died there. And so you'd want to ensure that, um, you know, there were karakia done, that there was water to remove the tapu and so on from those places so that the students that visit those sites, and especially the Māori students, um, you know, are protected in those environments. And also, when we're talking about the curriculum from years 5 to 15, what you teach a 5-year-old is obviously going to be different from what you what you say to a 15-year-old about these events. So there are those sorts of factors to, to consider and take into account in this. It's about ensuring that all of those involved in this are protected in the process of engaging with that history when it can, it does have the power to hurt, it can be harmful. Just finally on this, 
I get the feeling that there is a fear among some aspects of New Zealanders that this ramped, revamped um, history curriculum is going to turn into a type of, I don't know, you know, like a grievance studies kind of thing. What what do you think about that? I mean, how would you respond to somebody who was concerned by that prospect? Well, I think there are lots of aspects of this history that are actually quite inspirational, even in, in some of the bleakest events in the New Zealand Wars. Um, if you look at a figure like Wudamu Tamihana, um, who Pākehā called the kingmaker, he was an amazing man. He was a visionary in many ways. He was ahead of his time. And, you know, for students to engage with somebody and learn about somebody like Wudamu Tamihana, I think is, is remarkable. Likewise, Te Whiti Orongomai and Taranaki. These figures are inspirational. And we even today, we can learn from these people and their their sense of the kind of community that they wanted to build. And, I mean, there are lots of other um, aspects of this history as well that um, students might engage with, you know, um, the history of sports, for example, or, you know, one that has always fascinated me is the extent of Māori travel overseas, even in the early 19th century. Mm. Um, we, You know, we often think of discovery um, and engagement as this sort of one-way process where Pākehā come to New Zealand. But Māori are going out and discovering the world and making all kinds of fascinating judgments, really, about the, the societies that they encounter. Um, and, the, you know, those stories I've, I've always been fascinated by. So there are lots of aspects of the story that are, I think students will find incredibly interesting. We're now finally in the, in the space where um, we're catching up with that, and that's going to happen. And the students are ready, and I think they're really wanting to engage with this history and to learn about our past. That's it for today. I'm Emile Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. Alexia Russell produced today's episode, Rangi Poak engineered it, and thanks to Dr. Vincent O'Malley. Matewa. Te